0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by
1: Pastor Greg Seamus.
0: We're going to transition just a little bit. I have this, this crazy testimony I'm going to have some, uh, Ken and Anita share. So where are they? Are they right there? Is it both you guys? Why are you looking at her her looking at you? You guys both come on up. You guys listen to this, this testimony about what they, they shared this last week. Come on up. And I was talking to them last week and after, uh, after service and they were just sharing this testimony and I was just like, oh man, can you guys share this testimony next week? Are you going to be in church here next week? And they're like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so they're here and they were, and so I just invited them to, to share this, what, this, kind of this cool God encounter that took place and I think you guys
1: will be encouraged. Might you have your mic on there? Hi Ken. Hello, Pastor Hi, Greg. How how you doing? Yeah, we got the warning about 10 minutes ago. Did you? No, yeah. I
0: told you last week. Yeah, I didn't believe you. Okay, you didn't believe me. I'm like, me. oh yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, no, he would never do that. He would never do that? He wouldn't subject he me to this? Okay, go ahead. All right, well, I'm Ken, and my wife Anita. I'll let her start off because she started the thing. Um, she actually, started all this? Yeah, yeah. well... We, we kind of started
2: together. Um, okay. We were in San Diego visiting our daughter, and we were out uh, driving around, and my daughter said, well, i got to get gas, Mom, and use the restroom. So we stopped at the quick stop in San Diego, and um, and I noticed these ladies inside the quick stop, and they're praying for a man with the um, cash register guy there, and I, my daughter goes to the restroom, and I'm like, I'm, like, watching them and listening, making sure, you know, the prayers are okay, and I, I suddenly, I feel like the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so I, uh, I hold my hand out, and I'm going to agree with the prayers, and um, then we just say amen, you know, and the ladies turn around to me, and they go, well, you know, they introduce themselves, and they say, would you like some prayer, and I was like, well... Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, I So where's this
0: at? Is that in the store or in the...
2: Inside the store. Inside the store. Next to the booze and the, you Cigarette. know, cigarettes. Cigarette. <laughs> so uh, she asked me, you know, she, they start to pray, and she says, well, I think we need to pray uh, throne room prayers. And I said, okay, you know, so she leads me through throne room prayers, and I was like, thank you, you know. Um, and then by this time, it's taking so long... Uh. I'm
1: out, I'm out. Remember when it was really hot? Like 106? Yeah, like, I'm sitting in the car. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I'm sweating. Gas is pumped. I'm sweating. She's not coming out. So where, where's the wife? Daughter comes out. She sits there. She goes, it's hot. I'm going back in. And I'm, like, sitting there going, where is my wife? You know, I'm like, okay, something's going on. My daughter comes back and She goes, yeah, she's praying for people in there. I'm like, Okay, I love uh, that man. How long is this going to take now? I'm I'm just like your typical guy. I'm like, come on, we got time to go. You know, I'm I'm out sightseeing. I'm having fun, and she's in there praying. It's like what?
2: Yeah, well, we were chit chatting, and these ladies they happen to know about my church. You know. We're in San Diego, and they know Convergence House of Prayer. They follow us on Facebook. They are crazy? from the same camp. They, like, were on their way to a prayer tent meeting somewhere. And Palm they're, Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. And they were out praying and prophesying. And by this time, you know, we're having church in Quick Stop. And then Ken comes in. He's like, what the heck? Come on. And I'm like, come over here. Come <laughs> over here. You're actually having an
0: ecclesia <laughs> gathering.
1: which what they were doing. All right.
2: Yeah, come over here. These ladies, they—you need some prayer—and he's like, "Sure, why not?"
1: <laughs> well, I'm sitting there, and I'm going—you know—walk in, and I'm like, "Okay, they're getting prayer." Okay, she's kind of put it through the, the God filter, and it's like, "Okay, cool." So I walk up, and I'm a little apprehensive about this, and I said, "Okay, who are these ladies?" They introduce themselves. I want to know who the woman here that they know. This was a, um, I believe, a Yugoslavian woman and uh, an older woman. They both said they know some woman here that attends regularly. So if you're her, let me know. Um, she took one picture of us and that was it. So that's back on to what's happening. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'll take some prayer. And she starts praying for us. I mean, mind you, I've got cigarettes behind me, booze over here, people walking in, buying gas, and they're just like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, what do we do? Because we're blocking the cash register. And we're not going anywhere. We're just like, you know, hands in the air, laying of hands on chest and everything else. We're like... Get a vision, man. That's going to take place. And we're not just holding back. This is like open. It's like, thank you, Lord Jesus. No, it's like, Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for coming in your presence here at the quickie stop. We were getting a quickie stop. Oh man. That's awesome. So I'm sitting there and she starts praying for me. And I mean, within seconds, she starts prophesying. And I was like... Okay, been there, done that. Now what's going to happen? She starts telling me who I am. She goes, are you a drawer? Do you draw? And I'm like, "Um, kind of. And she goes, no. I see blueprints. I see blueprints in front of me. Building blueprints. I'm a builder. Wow. I asked Anita later, I said, did you share that, you know, what what our profession is? And she goes, no. Like, how does she know this? And like, I don't know, but, you it's know, you prophetic. kind of run through this filter later on. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, okay. And she's, she's like, starting to get this vision over me. And she's like, I see a palm tree, and, and, and God's planting you solidly. You know, he's taking the roots up and putting them in the ground. Wow. Starts laying hands on me. She says, I see, you know, you have the authority on your shoulders. Wow. And I was like, what? Okay. You know, you feel this, you feel this presence on you. You feel God's love come upon you. And it, it's like, it, it fortifies your soul yeah. mm-hmm. and you can hold things up that you don't think you can hold just off of his love. And and that was something that was just like, really, it tore me down, but it strengthened me. Mm. And then she's like, I see something across your chest. And Anita's sitting here. She's kind of like, uh, <laughs> I think it's lunch. Um, but it was funny because, like, she says, lunch. I see it across your chest, and it's um, a word. And, and what did she say? Something?
2: She's like, I can't even say this word. I've seen it before. Like, something like Ecclesiastes. Uh, and, I don't and she's know how going, to say it. It's E K L. Yeah.
1: And she's like, there, and it's like, she says, it's, it's across your chest, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's part of you. It's in you. And I was like. Um,
2: ecclesia? And, and she was like, yeah, that's the word. <laughs>
1: so I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yes.
0: That's crazy.
1: So we're, we're asking her at that point. It's like, what do you see? And she says, you have the ecclesia in you. It is in you. You carry it with you where you go. God is with you.
0: Come on, someone needs to receive that this morning. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Yes.
2: Like just the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us wherever we go, we're carriers of his presence and his power and his love. Just like these ladies were out prophesying, praying, preaching, delivering, healing. They were they were activated. Yeah. <laughs> And we were just so encouraged that God is with us. We're carriers of his Holy Spirit, and he's left it a deposit in us.
1: Yeah, and I walked away from it as as I was very encouraged. I'm going, okay, well, he's going to do the ecclesia, she's going to do the ecclesia, and I'll just join it, and I'll be part of it that way. No, he kind of had a new revelation for us. It's like, you are the ecclesia. Where you walk, where you go, what you do is the ecclesia. I give it to you, I put it in you, and you cannot do anything but just emanate me in you. And it's like, I could squash it and crush it, but he's like, no, I'll, the rocks will cry out. Right. Yeah, they will. I, I did. And so it was just really encouraging, and, and it's like kind of racked us. I text Pastor Greg, I mean, hey, hey, dude, I got something to tell you right now. I, I need to talk to you. This is really exciting.
0: You didn't say that much. You said, you got the text? I need to talk with you. Yeah, I do. I'll read it to everybody yeah, in a okay. minute.
1: Well, So, so anyway. <laughs> Anyways, it's like, you know, t- a week later, I'm like, dude, you didn't get my text. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was all pumped and excited, but we were still, I'm still pumped and excited oh, because man. it's still going forth. And we, yeah. we love you guys. And just, you know, we wanted to share with you that this is part of you. This is who you are. This is God in you, not somebody else's responsibility.
0: Amen. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, hang on, man. I just got to get something about air conditioning in me that's not working right now. So, So anyway. All right. Was that amazing? I see a word over you. I've never really seen it before. I really don't know what it is. And it's the word Ecclesia. That is crazy. I mean, it's what the Lord's doing. And we just need to we just need to embrace that and we just need to believe that and we just need to run with it, right? It's what he's doing. So turn to someone else and say, man, he, the Lord's doing something special in the Bay Area. Go ahead. And he's doing something special in you. All right, I got a lot, I got a lot of ground to cover. And I'm gonna try and be done at 1230. Because this is So this will be, some of you guys believe me, some of you guys don't. So this will be a two-part. So um, I just want you to know that the Lord has all authority. I want you to know the Lord has all authority. I'm going to keep saying it until that resonates and the amens really climb the ladder. Because you know the Lord has all authority. And you are not a victim. That you're a saint of God. You're not even a sinner if you know Jesus. You're a saint, right? That's your foundation. That's what you can stand on. And it doesn't matter what your feelings are telling you. It's what the Word of God says about you. And that we don't fight for victory; we fight from it. And we need to be people who actually uh, take the gospel into dark places and not react to the darkness. So we have to begin. We have to be able. We have to begin shifting. Our thinking in our paradigm, where the enemy is afraid of us, because Jesus has all authority, and he 's given us the keys of the kingdom. So remember, Jesus didn't establish a religion, he brought a government. And we have to understand that. In Matthew 4:17, he says, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near." right? So he didn't establish a, a new religion called Christianity. He actually brought with him a spiritual government. And he actually, has, he actually has released an anointed, the ecclesia of God, to go through the gates with the government that actually was resting on his shoulders but now was within us. So we are people who are to be feared by the enemy. And one of the things that I'm really, uh, I'm really wrestling with the Lord on or about is that I'm, my prayer point is this. Lord, we have to get the, your body, the ecclesia, Away from a victim mentality into a, a victor mentality that it's not us sur- barely able to survive it 's about us infiltrating the gates of Hades and actually doing damage to the enemy and actually rescuing people from an eternal separation from God. so if we 're so focused on if we 're so focused on uh, ourselves that when we, won't, we won't step out and help other people. Yeah. That's right. And so we have to kind of break this thing where I'm barely hanging on and I need every Sunday morning or weekday or to just give me another dose so I can go on to the next week. That is not God's plan for you. Right. Amen. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are believing that. That's not God's plan for you. Yeah. That's right. Do we face those trials? Absolutely. But we actually go from glory to glory, the Word of God says, And we actually have a foundation, and it's His Word, and it's all authority that He has purchased for us, and He's given us keys. And so let's make a difference, right? He's planted you in the very place that you are. He's designed that, and He actually wants you to bring the kingdom to the very places where He has taken you, whether it's at home or whether it's at work or wherever it is. So I just want to encourage you that you have all authority because He's He's given that to you. Can we say amen? Amen. And, fun- and power actually functions from a place of authority. We talked about that last week. So if we don't know our authority, we won't exercise power. If we question, if we question our authority in Christ, then we'll, we, will, we will be hesitant in our, uh, in our exercise of His power in, in, with people or encouraging people along the lines of healing and salvation. So we have to understand our position as those who walk in a place of authority and that we can actually exercise power because we have authority. That's what the police do, right? The police has been given, they've been given authority and they exercise power. Right? And so you have that authority and let's exercise that authority and we call that power. So in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came and equipped them with what? Power. And so Jesus came and he, wants to see all things redeemed. And it's not just people, but he wants to see society. He wants to see culture. He wants to see, he you know, what he accomplished on the cross for you and I is even greater than you and I. So he actually wants to redeem, let's just say in this context, he wants to redeem the entire Bay Area for his glory and for his honor. That means the education system. That means the governmental system. That means the marketplace. He wants to... He wants to to redeem it all. He wants to reclaim it all for his glory. And he's actually assigned the ecclesia to do the work. And he's actually partnering with us. In other words, he didn't usher the assignment and told us to do it alone. He actually has the Holy Spirit alongside of us, and he's doing the work with us. And so I don't know of a better partner than Jesus. I don't know of a a greater uh, assistant than the Holy Spirit. I don't know of a better father than God the Father, and he's for you, and he's not against you, yes. and you have victory in Christ. Yes. All right, yes. so take your Bibles, let's look at Mark 16, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew 28, and I will try to do my best to do this PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. along the same lines, just I'm trying something new. So you guys enjoy last week? I hope you remember what I did last week. Yeah, yeah okay, all right, all right. All right, you guys are a little quiet, but do you guys see it? All right, cool. Um, we want to talk about baptizing uh, nations today, and it's going to be out of the book of Mark and then at, out of uh, Matthew 28. So let's turn, uh, you guys in Mark 16, did I tell you what chapter? Let me get there. All right. Verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's a people who are functioning from a place of authority in power. And you carry that. All right, Matthew 28. Use your digital phones. It's quieter in church these days. I'm sorry, Ecclesia gatherings these days. Verse 16, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All All authority. I don't know why my PowerPoint did that, but it did. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So last week we talked about discipling nations. And in essence, discipling nations is bringing the kingdom of God to where people live, that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, that Jesus has given us all authority, and it's our responsibility to exercise that authority with power. It's our responsibility to exercise that authority with power. It's our responsibility. Let me just say it again. It's our responsibility. We do this as we go to bless, to fellowship, to minister and proclaim. So he's given us all authority. We exercise that authority with power as the ecclesia. So the that simply says that we have, to, we have to empower the believer. We have to encourage, encourage, encourage the believer that they actually have that same anointing as those that are standing behind a pulpit. That's right. And that my function is going to be different than your function, but we are both ministers of the gospel. That's right. We both carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So though my function is different, that's my, that's, that would be my calling. You are just as anointed as I am. You are just as anointed as a person next to you. You are just as anointed as I am. You're just as anointed as Bill Johnson. You're just you carry that same Now we have to tap into those things, right? But you, I want you to come to a, a greater revelation, just a simple reminder that simply that you are anointed by the Holy Spirit to carry the gospel to the nations. Baptizing nations is a process of letting the leaven or the yeast of the kingdom, the teachings of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit work through that nation. It is much like how leaven and yeast is inserted in dough. When yeast is inserted in the dough, the dough does not rise immediately, but rather over time. The leaven or the yeast... We call it yeast, right? But in the Bible, it's leaven. The leaven sets in motion a process that in time produces change once the leaven fully works through the dough. So baptizing a nation is actually functions as leaven in dough. It actually begins to permeate and spread, whether that's in a nation, whether that's in the Bay Area, whether it's in a local high school, whether that's in a home. So let's define the word baptize. The word baptize is a transliteration. Could everyone say that? Let's just try that together. Transliteration. Now, this is so key. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, letting you know the difference between a translation and a transliteration. Because the word baptize is not necessarily a translation, but it's actually a transliteration. You guys ready for that? Translation is a quite familiar concept. A translator takes the text in one language and converts it to the equivalent text in another language. In the case of of a biblical translation, a translator takes the ancient Greek, Hebrew... You guys, just go ahead, put your theology cap on just for a moment. Stay with me, okay? All right, in the, in the case of biblical translation, a translator takes the ancient Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic text, which is unreadable to the majority of Christians, and converts it to the equivalent text in English. However, the problem with translation is that there is not always an, an uh, equivalent text from one language to another. Transliteration, you guys staying with me, here it is, transliteration is when the translator takes a word in one language, adjusts it a little to make it look and sound more like the other language, and then places it in the rest of the text of that language. This can be a very useful tool for translators, especially biblical translators, who want to be careful not to make the translation seem like it means something the original does not say, but it can also cause problems. A transliterated word essentially creates a new English word. Are you guys still staying with me? Say amen. And over time, these new words take on connotations and nuances of their own which may not have been present in the original word they represent. For instance, the word alien meant stranger. But today you can rent the movie (laughs) Alien. I wouldn't recommend renting the movie Alien, but you can rent the movie Alien. There's Alien what? Four? Alien five? I mean, how many aliens are there, right? How many saw the original movie? You're going to confess it right now. You saw the original, you know, that, okay. But that's a word that's been transliterated. So when you think of alien, some of you might think of, you know, people who are strangers in a particular country or don't have citizenship in a particular country. Others think that, yeah, I remember watching that movie eight times you know, or whatever amount of times you saw the movie. So that's a transliteration that has a nuance that has been changed through time. So the bottom line is a transliteration means to, to, to transcribe letters in a word from one language to a corresponding letters of another. A, a transliterated word essentially creates a new English word. And over time, these new words take on connotations and nuances of their own, which may not be present in the original word that they represent, like I just said. So I want to say it for emphasis. So this is what happened with the word baptize. Baptize is a transliterated word, which they actually did not have a human equivalent. So the word baptize is, actually has two complementary meanings uh, meanings, And this is what we want to define. And then we want to set it into Matthew 28, 19. Because Jesus says to go, as you go, make disciples and baptize nations. If we don't understand what baptize is, we're not going to have a full understanding of the commission. Right. If we don't have a full understanding of the commission, we don't really know what to do. Yeah. Is the Lord saying what you want to do is you want to take a whole country and put it in water? And bring it out of water. You can't do that. So we've, so what we've done is we think we think as baptism as with the agent of water, you put people in water and you take people out of water, and so we equate discipling nations and baptizing nations as getting people saved and making sure that they're water baptized. But that's not really what it means. Or that's not really what it says. So you guys ready? Yeah. All right, don't 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 look at me like that. All right. So regarding baptize, the Greek word. Let's say uh, I don't I mean, I'm not even working on this. The Greek word is baptizo. Everyone, let's say it together. Come on, we're going to have like a a transliteration word study today. All right. Everyone, say the word baptizo. The English equivalent is baptize. This Greek word has a broader meaning than just submerging something into something else. Baptizo was used to describe a process that resulted in a permanent change of state or condition. Baptizo derives from the word Bapto. Let's try that. Everyone say that. Bapto. Which primarily means to dip or immerse. So in order to gain clarity on all of this, uh, this actually comes out of Ed's book, but I did my own research in the blueletterbible.com. Great resource. How many of you guys ever heard of that? Use it if you can. It's a great resource. And in the interlinear part of it, there's actually a footnote that talk that shares this very uh, same story that actually gives you an understanding of the word "baptō" and the word "baptizo," which actually forms the English word "baptize." So, the English word "baptize" can be broken down into the Greek words "baptō" and "baptizo." Yep. Try it again: "baptō" and "baptizo." All right, so. A writer, about 200 B.C., gives the explanation for us that I think helps us today, and this is the reason why you see this on the table. It's not because I'm hungry. I don't even like pickles. How many of you like pickles? Oh, jeez. All right. I'm going to have to hide these because they're the Hyatts. After service, I mean. The clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo in the text from the Greek poet and physician, the candor, I know I'm messing up that word, who lived about 200 BC. It's a recipe for making pickles and is helpful because it uses both, both words. The candor says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, or the word there is bapto, into boiling water and then baptized or baptizo, submerged in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution. But in the first is temporary, bapto. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change, baptize, or baptizo. Ed says in his book, the dipping of the cucumber in hot water softens its skin making it receptive to the vinegar into which it is submerged later. Without the former dip, the unsoftened skin would prevent or delay its transformation into a pickle. Isn't that kind of a weird analogy? This is the case of an individual. The initial power encounter, bapto, by the Holy Spirit, must be followed by the permanent submersion our baptizo in the Word of God. Bapto releases the power of God. Baptizo is the Word of God. So what they did, I'm not, I don't even claim to know what I, I'm not a canner, I don't, you know, whatever, jellies and all, I don't, I don't do this stuff. All right, so you guys might do this stuff. I don't do this stuff. I'm just trusting the text. And I watched a YouTube video, all right? That's about it. So back in the day, they would actually have this be hot water. This is a cucumber. I like cucumbers, though, you know? I like cucumbers. I just don't like pickles. And anyway, there's no spiritual application. Don't get prophetic on me, all right? So, so what they would do, this would be hot water. So in order to make this prepared to sit in the vinegar, I think that's vinegar, um, you, they, what they would do is they would actually take it in hot water and they would dip it they would remove it and they would put it in the container. Now, this is huge. But they would, they would, they would uh, submerge it into a container that actually brings transformation. Yes. This is what the word baptize means. The word baptize has two meanings that are complementary. It doesn't mean simply submerging people in water. It doesn't, I mean, it includes that. It just doesn't mean that altogether. So when, it's, when we're talking about baptizing nations, let me put this guy back in here. When we're talking about baptizing nations, we're not talking about getting people just water baptized. We actually want them into a place where they're encountered by God. Yeah. Amen. And then that nation, that city is encountered by God. And then we want to put them in the vinegar. All right. Which is the teachings of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need, you need both spirit and you need the word. Let's make it, let's make it practical. So in your work, the BAPTO would be something like you begin to pray over every single, you know, cubicle. You begin making a declaration that your, that your business or this business belongs to God. It could be a school. If you're a youth pastor, if you're a young person, you make, you begin making declarations over your school. You begin to call it, you're actually in the BAPTO process as you're making declarations. What if a kid gets saved in the the local high school? Now you're moving from there, you're moving into the baptismal process. So for me, when I was a youth pastor way back in the day, you know what I'm saying? People over 40, you guys understand, right? Because that's about where I'm at. So, so what happened with us was, and now I, this, is, this is actually bringing light to me, because I never quite understood baptizing nations. I, I thought that you'd have to have a really big swimming pool. But if we understand what the, that the, there's a process involved, there's the initial encounter, and then there's a process, we actually begin to infiltrate the systems. So what you guys will be hearing, because in a couple weeks I think we're going to have Pancho from Mexico doing a great work in the city of Mexico, where he's actually, you're going to hear from a guy who's actually pushing through the gates of Hades. Like you guys are going to be, this, this, his story, his testimony is amazing. And then you're going to hear from Ken Gott, he's from southern England, he's coming here October 15th. So Pancho 8th, Ken Gott the 15th. And you're going to begin to, and he, Ken was instrumental in the, in the uh, Toronto blessing with John Arnott and what God did in Sunderland, England, which is the very birthplace of Smith Wigglesworth, right? So you're going to hear how they are actually, they've baptized their cities. They have actually baptized their cities, and they're in the process of now baptizing or baptizo their communities and their cities. So when I, was, when I was a youth pastor, way back in the day, in my 20s, just to let you know how old I might be, <laughs> so what the Lord did is that we started going after our high schools, and so we had a bunch of kids that were getting saved in our high schools, namely two high schools, American High School and Kennedy High School, and there was a program called Youth Alive, which was an AG program. Some' a God youth program, actually an outreach program that goes into high schools. We adopted, we adopted that program, and I started training these kids to be pastors in the teenage world. And we began to infiltrate the school system. We actually began to baptizeo the school system by bringing the teachings of Jesus into the school. And how did they do that? Well, I couldn't lead a Bible study at lunch, but they could. So my job was to actually raise up these pastors to actually pastor their school. And they're all like 15 and 16 and 17 years old. And they're pastoring their school. So here I am. I had access to go to, to the lunch meetings. like to the. Uh, I can go there at lunch. I don't know if you can do that these days. I went there at lunch. And I was the spectator. But I would meet with these kids at 6 a.m. in the morning. Can you believe teenagers getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to Denny's? Well, I was paying for food, so yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. So, so there we are, and I'm training these guys how to, how, to, how, to like lead their, how to lead their campus, how to pastor kids. So I would lead them, I'm like, okay, this is how you lead someone to Jesus. And they're all, you know, they're young enough to like believe it, and they're young enough to not have all the trappings that we might have as older people, Right? So they're just like, and I just, I just said, you guys are evangelists. You guys are pastors. You guys, we're gonna win Kennedy High School for Jesus. You're gonna win America for Jesus. And they're like, Yeah, we're in Denny's, right? <laughs> so, so we're we're working. The, so here I am. I, I'm, I, you know, I visit them at lunch. We have our Youth Alive meeting. And so I remember going to Kennedy High School, here in town, Youth Alive meeting. I have two. I have two pastors, and they're 16-year-old kids. And so they, they're leading the meeting, and first of all, they promoted the Youth Alive Club meeting, and they actually, there was like 20 kids, they were shocked that 20 kids showed up. And so I'm sitting there in the background, because I can't say anything, and they're looking at me like, Greg, 20 kids just showed up, what do we do? And I'm just like, you know, like, go do it, man, you know? And so he goes ahead, and he, pre- this is the, his name is, his name is Kevin Forehand, it's, anyway, I'm messing this up, but. So Kevin is opening up the word. He's a guest speaker from American. So we actually had student guest speakers that came from different schools. So I don't even know how he got out of American. I would even ask him how he got American to get over to Kennedy. But they would share guest speakers, right? So he's just like, well, let me just open up the word. Yeah, you guys. That's how he talked. Yeah, well... And so he would, and he says, you know, uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's like, I know what's in here somewhere. Hang on. <laughs> you know, he's like, for God so loved the world, he gave us, hang on for a second, I know what's in here. He's in the Gospels, I think, it's John. And he's like going like this, and he's looking at me. And I'm like, you know, John chapter three, bro. Like, you know, John three. And so I never forget, like, he goes ahead and he does this little 20-minute word. You know, he just, you know, it was, it was big for him. And I applauded the bigness of the word, like, you know. And it was, it was very simple. It wasn't deep theologically, you know. And I just remember him saying, like, he just followed me. Like, I was his youth pastor, right? So, so he said, okay, everyone just bow your heads. We're going to pray. And he said, now, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus and would like to know him as Lord and Savior, I want you to look at me. I didn't didn't have people, I didn't have them look at me. That keeps everyone else's faces, you know, down, right? And so about three or four kids looked at him. And you could, I mean, panic. (laughs) He did not expect three or four people to look at him to get saved. So he's just like, so you have to imagine, like, as soon as they looked at him, he looked at me. So it was like, you know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like they look up and he went like this. And I'm just like, you know, take him over. You know, I can't say that and I can't talk, you know, like take him over, like take him over from one side of the cross to the other. Like, let's get him saved. He didn't know what to do. And so I think he did, I think he said something like, okay, it kind of came to him. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Amen. He did that. And then he looked at me like. <laughs> you know, like he's a world evangelist now, you know. Like, what happened? From that time, we actually, we actually planted five Youth Alive Clubs on five high school campuses. Wow. And they're actually, they're actually, what's even more unbelievable is after a lot of years, I'll just say that, there's actually still youth alive clubs on these campuses. After, after a lot of years, you know, after, over 25 years later, there's still youth, youth alive. And so, what we did is we actually, we initially like baptized them like someone getting saved, and then we began to baptize them by actually bringing the Word of God onto the campus. Does that make sense? So for some of you, I know for some of you, you've already planted ecclesias. So we have, you know, we have people who are planting ecclesias in hospitals and workplaces. And so what you've done is that you've initially baptized them into that, I'll say baptoed them, you know, that initial encounter. And then while you formed your ecclesia, at the hospital or wherever it is, now you're bringing the teachings of Jesus, not just to the group, but it's infiltrating in the Spirit into the whole realm. This is what he's saying about baptizing nations. It's it's discipling, which means, disciple simply means a learner. So they're coming into this place where they're encountering God, and now you're actually dipping them into the, the work of God, That I would call it the power of the Holy Spirit, and then as you're dipping them into that place, you, then you're going to submerge them. And I'll talk about real people, right? Because then they won't be able to breathe. But you're, but you're going to begin to submerge them into the Word of God. Amen. All right. Now, do you guys get that? Yes. Okay. One other thing that I've got to cover, and then we'll close. And, okay, here we go. I, I have it up there. In almost every translation, you're going to see the word in. Okay, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The preposition, I am not an English major, right? This is just out of my research. The preposition that's used in this word, stay with me, but this is crucial, is Movement or direction or entry, something going in but does not come out. The word, the preposition that is actually used for the word in means becoming the possession of. The coming under the protection of the triune God. Into here means movement from outside to inside the very essence of God. What I'm proposing to you today, I think it's the only only translation that I actually see it rendering correctly, is the New American Standard. The word actually is the preposition, not, I'll tell you why in a moment, is not the word in, but it's the word into. Go, make disciples, baptizing them into... The Father, and the Son, and the Holy that's Spirit. Good. That's good. You're not baptizing them in, because that actually is a formula. And the picture I get is a guy going, you know, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm saying that's legit. But in this particular portion of Scripture, it's actually the word baptizing them into something that's permanent. It's into something that stays. You guys track me? You're looking like you don't believe me. And I'll tell you why in a moment, if I can find my notes here. Say, say amen or something. Because I don't I don't even know. Okay, here we go. So we baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you some. Let me just just stay with me. I know this is a little bit more theological today, but we got that we got that translation from the Bible translators who took the translation from Jerome's Latin Vulgate Bible translation. Just remember, don't even try and remember that. You can if you want to. You can do your own research. But they didn't take it from the original Greek language. They took it from a translated portion of Scripture. But if you looked at it, even in my NIV Bible, I have the NIV 1984. Not the new one. I don't, don't, anyway. Don't go there. 1984, it says, has a footnote and says the word into, in the footnote. So, Matthew 28, 19 should read, Go make disciples, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So if that reference is clear, that baptism, with the preposition used, is into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it does mean becoming the possession of or or actually bringing them into the very essence of God himself. So then how do we baptize nations as part of the Great Commission? And here's where i got to close. You guys with me? Say amen. amen. All right. The ecclesia is told to wait to receive power from the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. two. In Acts chapter two. <laughs> two. <laughs> You worried me for a moment. So the ecclesy is told to wait to receive power from the baptism, from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, they will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Acts one, actually: Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts one eight. You will receive power when you when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission starts when the Holy Spirit falls. Come on. Come on. The ecclesia was baptized in the Spirit with power, and they baptized in person, uh, the, in, the per, in the name of Jesus, the works and teachings of the, of the Lord Jesus, uh, the nations. Receiving Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit produces a change in status by simultaneously initiating and overseeing a process of transformation based on applying the word of God into one's life. The baptizing of nations is a process of the ecclesia connecting the nations to the transforming agent namely the person and work of Jesus in the power of the holy spirit baptizing nations into the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit means bringing them under the authority of character of the triune god moving them through a permanent change as a result of being exposed and submerged into the teachings of the lord jesus Or the Gospels. I like what Ed says here. The key is to realize that the passage is referring to a process, not an event. The goal of which is the discipling of nations. In our going along the way, a process, we are to make learners, followers of nations by baptizing them. A process. This begins the initial dip or the bapto in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then it submerges then we submerge them into the teachings of Jesus that moves them to live as He commanded. So who does the baptizing in the nations? The Ecclesia does. Next week. I want to talk to you about how do I get started in doing that. I want to begin focusing on a practical application of that reality. Let me summarize it today by simply giving you a a gentle, like, but loving encouragement to do it. Some of you are already baptizing your workplaces, some of you are already, your homes are already being baptized. Right, it's you have to look at the baptizing of a home, the baptizing of a school, the baptizing of a nation, the baptizing of a city, the baptizing of a region, the baptizing of the East Bay, the baptizing of the San Jose, Fremont. All that is when we actually bring them into a place of encounter. And when you when we try and go Holy Spirit light, we have little influence. It's Holy Spirit. Full power. So we don't we don't pull the Holy Spirit back into neutral. Because we don't want to like scare them off. So you have these guys who are these weird crazy ladies in a store. People will call them weird, but they're walking in eclesy of power. You might you might think, you know, Ken, sorry, Ken, but you might be thinking they're a little strange. Maybe he didn't. I might have thought, like, okay, there goes Wendy. You know, next thing I know, she's going to be on the ground in the floor manifesting, right? And I got to get going. I'm married to one of those. You know, I don't know if you are, but I'm married to one of those. So when she goes in, there's, two, there's a prayer meeting. I know I might as well just put the air conditioning on in my car and sit there and just wait because she's not coming out for a while. But, and I love the ladies because they, they're the ones who are, like, Fearless. Guys are a little bit more apprehensive. Women, they just do it. They're praying in the store. Right? Come on, ladies, give me a little help. True. But they the ecclesia is, is mobile. The ecclesia goes into whatever culture or environment and shifts the atmosphere. Listen, you are the ecclesia, so you minister from that. From that point, that place of identity, it's like you don't you don't want to become the ecclesia, so you're going to witness. No, you are the ecclesia, so you witness. Yeah. Amen. That's right. You don't want to say, "Hey, I got to do this because I'm the ecclesia." No, you are the ecclesia. That's why you do this. That's right. Until we understand our identity and who we are, and who Jesus commissioned us to be in Matthew 16. Out of that commission gives, that commission gives us an identity and out of that identity comes our function, what we do. So we have to tell ourselves, he is building me as an ecclesia. I am the ecclesia of God. He has anointed me. He has given me all authority. He's given me a commission. And I got to take that commission seriously. Yes, I want to love Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the beginning. John 15 is crucial. In the whole idea of an ecclesia reality. But from that place of a love encounter with God, we go and do and we baptize nations and we disciple nations for the glory of God. Listen, we can't take the Great Commission as a, uh, you know, a, a, what is that? Multiple choice. You know, it's like the Great Commission. Do I want to do it or do I not want to do it? That's not lordship. Oh, don't get me started listen, we don't have a pick and choose Christianity. That's right. That's right. And that's really what it's come down to. It's come down to, in a lot of cases, like, you know, there's some things I like about what's in the Bible, and there's some things I really don't, so I'm not going to do the things I don't like. Friends that, is, <laughs> friends, that is not lordship. That's right. Like, the only person you're fooling is yourself. I mean, Jesus didn't put the crown of thorns on his, well, he didn't have the crown of thorns on his head applied. He didn't take the 39 lashes so we can play multiple choice with what the word of God says. It's true. So I call that consumer-driven entitlement Christianity. And it's, it's rampant in the West. You'll never find that in China. You'll never find that in an underground church. You'll never find that in Iran. You won't find that in other places. But because we have it so comfortable here, we pick and choose. Oh, you don't... You know, can I just say this? Since I'm on, I'm closing. So I, just you, I just want you to hear this out. Okay. And I, and I always go back to this. I always, I, always ask, I always ask why. Like, why would someone... How many of you guys saw the, uh, the movie that came out for one day called Heart of a Man? You guys went and checked that out. Wendy drugged me to that. <laughs> you need to watch it. You know, I have women, I mean, wives, you know. We got to go to that movie. I said, okay, we're going to go. It's only one night. It's blowing up all over social media. Okay, I'm going to go. So I sat there and I, and you know, it was really like, you know, one guy had Multiple affairs, and when a police officer, you know, they're all Christians, and I'm and I'm looking at that. I'm just, I'm asking the Lord, why? What's the lie that believers believe that leads them into these adulterous relationships? And I understand Sozo. I understand Heartsink. I'm all, I'm all in on that. Like there's cracks in our foundation the Lord needs to heal up. I get it. But if we could just read the word and do what it says, that'll save us from a lot of pain and a lot of shame. So as these guys were engaged in this relationship, they just bore the shame and the guilt of what they were doing, and they were moving in secrecy. And the, it, the whole life was was shipwrecked. And they might go to work and say, hey, they might go to church, praise God. But on the other side of the table, their life is being torn apart. Lordship does not mean control. Lordship is about coming under the care of a great and gracious heavenly father. Lordship means that you submit to, the, to a lifestyle that you've been created for. Right. Yeah. And if we believe that lordship is something other than that, then we'll keep looking over the fence. Right. Wow. Yep. Lordship is submitting to the lifestyle, to the life that God has created you to live. Yep. In other words, we short-circuit when we live something other than what the word says. Isn't that easy? Yeah, I didn't think so. Isn't that easy? In principle, isn't that easy? Yeah. And so I, for me personally, I, I want to move into a place where I don't want it to be, I don't want to function out of my, I don't want it to be where I'm functioning out of my responsibility I want to come to a place where I'm functioning out of a place of love and affection for the Lord and the transference of his heart into mine so that I actually love the world like he does. It's true. The Great Commission becomes much easier when you carry the Father's heart. And I took those personality tests. You know what those are? Like... I took the strength finder test. You know what those are? How many of you guys know that the Gallup strength? I take them all. I take all the tests. I do, man. Like I'm a EF, double Z, whatever, you know, that Briggs thing. And I'm choleric, melancholy, flipmatic, you know, whatever. You know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm always trying to take tests, you know, like trying to figure out who I, who I am in terms of my personality, right? And I don't even know why I brought that up. Huh? Oh yeah. Your identity in Christ. I still don't know the reason why I brought it up. So anyway, your identity in Christ. We better close. All right, let's stand. Let's stand, let's stand. I'll remember in a second. Maybe if I sit down like Bill Cosby. I'll remember. I still don't remember. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Anyway, I was talking about a love relationship, wasn't I? Yeah. So here's the deal. Next week I want to talk to you about how to make this thing, how, how do we apply it to our life? That's really where I want to go. But I think this, this afternoon now, I, I just want us to move into a place where we posture our heart. And we begin to talk to the Lord about this this passage of scripture. This great commission. Go. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I apply that verse? those verses, the great commission to my life. I believe when the ecclesia functions in her true identity, the great commission becomes easy. When we function from a place of who we are, the great commission is natural. We don't have to strive to love people because we got the Lord's heart. It all comes from him and it's for him, isn't it? Yeah. So Father, I pray that you would release an anointing in the room. Though we know it's our responsibility, God, I just pray that it becomes like the great Apostle Paul where the love of God is so burning in me I have to tell somebody. Lord, I pray that we don't merely function from a place of responsibility, but we actually do this thing out of a place of intimacy. And Lord, there are hurting people outside the walls of this building, all over our city. They're questioning their faith, they're questioning how life works. They're filled with shame. They're looking for answers. They're believing lies that aren't kingdom. And Lord, you've commissioned us to go. And as we go, we bring the light of the gospel. We bring the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that each one of us, when we step into places outside the walls of this building, we're not the ones that are trembling because of darkness, that darkness is actually trembling because of us. Lord, I pray that we actually shift our paradigm. Not that Jesus is the one who's the the one who's like the one who's clearing the way, but we actually co labor with him to do it. And so I just pray for divine appointments this week. I pray that people would get saved this week. I pray, God, that people would, be, would find Christ for the first time this week. I pray that people who have been in churches and no longer are, for whatever reason, I pray for the backslidden, that they would come to Jesus this week. Not on Sunday, which I would love, but this week, starting, starting this afternoon, because the Ecclesia is being released into the city. And I just pray that the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit would rest on every single person right now in this room and that they would actually feel the presence of the Lord on them. We don't stand as victims today. We do stand victorious today. Shift our thinking renew our minds move us into a greater realm of our identity of who we are as the ecclesia of God as sons and daughters as a bride who loves and an ecclesia who rules and we don't rule Lord by beating it on people we rule from a place of serving people and loving people well so I just release that over every person in the room for those who are struggling this afternoon with some of the things I said at the end of this meeting and there's sin in your life and when I went there you were like oh I just want to let you know that the Lord sees it anyway and what's done in secret is not really done in secret not fully but you know His love for you never changes. His love for you is constant. It's continuous. And even in your darkest place, he's still calling your name. And he wants to restore you. So I break shame off of you in the name of Jesus as you come to the cross. I break addictions off of you as you come to the cross. Lord, I pray that you would give us a revelation of the freedom and liberty to live in the light. And darkness just torments us. I pray you just take us out of the darkness into your glorious light. Friend, the only authority the enemy has over you is the authority you've given him. Well, how does the enemy gain authority over my life? Through sin. That's the only way he gains entrance. When you live in the light, as he's in the light, you're free. So get out of that prison. You don't need to be there. So I just say liberty to you, and I say freedom to you in Jesus' name. I just say get free in Jesus' name. Don't wait another moment. Don't rationalize with the enemy, you'll lose. Do what's right. Step into the light, and you'll find freedom. It's amazing to live without secrets. Do you know that? It's empowering. I want you to be a man of integrity. I want you to be a woman of integrity. He's calling you up because he has a future for you that far exceeds what you can even possibly think or imagine. That's his word. And so I just release that over you today as the Ecclesia of God. As we go, let's disciple and baptize nations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we have prayer servants here that if if anything of that spoke to you, make your way to the front, man. Like, get your heart right with the Lord. Like, people who are going to pray for you. If you're on your way home, whatever, just get it right with the Lord. It's not hard. Just step into it. He's there. He'll meet you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Amen. All right. And you're going to have an amazing week. Just turn to someone and say, you're going to have an amazing, amazing, amazing week. You're going to have an amazing week. Yeah, it's going to be so good.
1: We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.